Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. another episode of Fishers of Men, the podcast. Today we have an awesome guest going to talk about the Enneagrams. We have Katie Jo Ramsey. Katie Jo, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Montana where we're uh, calling you. Calling you at. Calling you at. I'm like, (laughs) which is the right? Yes. We're calling you at Montana from Los Angeles. So how's the weather over there? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. I am staring at mountains right now, and it's just gorgeous. Well, good. I'm glad somebody's enjoying their time. It's been like a million (laughs) and a half degrees in Los Angeles. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's not good. We have fires all over California. It's it's pretty Yeah, because basically you don't want to do anything except for just lay around and sweat. Unless you have a pool, and then, you know, you just want to go swim. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of gross. But anyway. So we can pretend that we're over there with you. So that would be good. Um, Perfect. I have two chairs right in front of me. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I know we we, uh, discovered you because you had an article uh, a while back on the Enneagram on relationships, and you just put out another one on Relevant Magazine called Three Ways of Finding Your Enneagram Type right that are mm-hmm. that are better than taking an online quiz so that one was also really fun I have personally just had been super obsessed with the Enneagram as of the last a year or so and I just I just love it I can't get enough of it and I know Mary Ashley is more of an expert of like the Meyer Briggs stuff yeah. but I think it's just all okay. fascinating yeah yeah so um we're so excited to have you on our show to talk about Enneagrams and relationships yes yeah so excited to be here so fun (laughs) so can you explain for our listeners a little bit about what the Enneagram is yeah yeah definitely so um you know in popular culture right now you'll hear that the Enneagram is a really popular personality typing system but to to take it out a little bit further the Enneagram historically from the early church on has been a tool for understanding and living in healthy relationships with God, yourself, others, and creation. So the Enneagram at its heart is about human flourishing. It's about like shalom in all of its senses possible. Um, And then to, to narrow it down to its like more popular use today, a lot of people use it as, oh, and there's a train. Sorry, I can't help that one. <laughs> um, a lot of people use it as a personality typing system. So mm-hmm. to understand more about yourself and who you are in relationship to God, in relationship to others, into the earth, um, point out your blind spots and help you understand, like, who did God make you uniquely to be in this world? And then what also are your, your unique kind of besetting sin patterns that you need to repent of in order to really be whole and be healed and be in right relationship with 
everyone, including God and yourself. Hmm. Right. There was a book uh, called The Road Back to You that is super informative from a, a Christian perspective, talking about the Enneagram, all the things that you were saying. Um, have you used that in your uh, research as well? And have you used it for certain typings? And ha- have you come across that book? I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, definitely a really great intro book. Um, my favorite for Christians who want to kind of integrate a little bit more, uh, it, it, it's still a pretty basic introduction, is Self to Find, Self to Lose. Or something mm. self-defined by Marilyn Danville. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I think, integrates space a little bit more. But I will say, um, Ian Kahn's psychology podcast is excellent for mm. typing, for like seeing what types are like uh, lived out, and you get to hear people talk about their lives. So, mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend Ian Kahn's psychology podcast. He's one of the authors of Road Back to You. Yeah, it, it is really cool. It's funny because I'm a type two and it's hilarious the way he introduces the chapter on twos. He's like, all right, you guys are kind of sensitive to criticism. So get a get a box of tissues and some wine and just like hang yeah. out before you read yeah. this section of the book because you might feel a little out of control. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, he knows me. <laughs> And let me clarify, the type two, I want to make sure I know which one of you is which. So okay. which one's the type two? Uh, Laura, that's me. <laughs> Laura, okay. Awesome. Yes. Which is, of course, um, the yeah, helper. I, funny story with, the, with type two. My mother is a type two, and most of my closest friends are twos. Mm-hmm. And my mom, initially, I had Marilyn, that author, come for a workshop in, in Denver. And uh, my mom was like, well should I buy her book? Because I really just think it would help me feel close to you. Oh, <laughs> And it was before she knew she was a two. And then she read the whole thing. And she typed every single person in our family except for herself. <laughs> yep. But, but yep. then yep. about three weeks later, she owned that she was two. And it was awesome. And she, she just was so thankful to know. So oh. I love it. Yeah, it's it's good. My husband likes to say that, you know, with Enneagram tests or sorry, personality tests like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs or anything like that, you know, we should really use them as descriptors versus prescriptors. So it's not like um, we have we have excuses to be right. bad. It's not like we're destined yeah. to a fate yeah. or something. Because think, of them. Yeah, and it's a good reminder because, you know, sometimes I, I can just blame things on like, it's because I'm a two, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, you, that, that's exactly the point that Ian Cron was making like no you need to own up to it so you can change for the better and to glorify God in, in the your holistic self yes. mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely I am on the other so I have a funny kind of uh relationship with the Enneagram because of course you do I know right <laughs> because you are a a four <laughs> And it's, it's so funny, oh, yeah. Be, be, yeah, because I, I'm much more into the Myers-Briggs, as Laura said, and it, so it's so funny, when I was starting to get into the Enneagram, I was, like, taking it, and I was like, I don't feel like any of these describe me, but also all of them kind of describe me, and blah, blah, whatever, and then yeah. I read the description for the four, and it was like, if you feel like personality tests never fully get you, <laughs> then you're a four, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, that works out. Yes, I'm also a four, and I did not want to be typed 
and yeah, it was a long, painful process, which you guys probably read in that article, but mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. that is such a common experience for fours. Hmm. Well, let, let's, we should have done this earlier, but of course I was so excited to jump in, but Katie Jo, can you tell us a little bit about your work, what you're doing, um, the, the fact that we are calling you now to, to be kind of our experts in residence, right, for today. Um, can you just give us a little background on yourself? Yeah, well, first I have to say, I, I kind of hear the expert and I, I, uh, I hear that with much trepidation because <laughs> I'm like, right. I, I feel like a beginner, you know, it's only mm-hmm. been a few years of studying the Enneagram and kind of going through the paces of spiritual formation myself with it, um, sure. but I have been trained uh, as a facilitator, so I guess I have some expertise, but, you know, I feel like I'm going to be a beginner for a long time. I, um, my, my background is I'm a therapist, I run my own private practice, um, and I am also a writer, and so I'm working on my first book right now, which Whoa. is a memoir on suffering. Oh. Um, and it integrates uh, themes from interpersonal neurobiology and also union with Christ. Interesting. So it's a lot about relationships as well. Oh, that's so awesome. Whenever you get around to getting closer to finishing it or when you do, we'd please, love to talk about that. Yeah, please uh, get in touch with us. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Oh, I will. Yeah, that would be so yeah, cool. Yeah, it's been so fun, but also so hard to pray for me. Oh, I know. But I can, like, stay focused. Yeah. Stay the course. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but that's right up, right up our alley. And, you know, yes, we'll definitely be praying because that sounds like an important book to be to be out in the world. <laughs> so very, very totally cool. Agree. <laughs> so um, can we talk a little bit more about when you know your type? How does that impact your relationships and how can you use it as a tool? Mm-hmm. Yes, huge question. So... Wow, I think it comes, you know, it kind of comes in layers. Um, The Enneagram, we like to say, my husband and I are basically equally obsessed with it. And we both like to say that it's like an onion. Um, You you keep peeling back the layers and and you keep going to further layers of depth, which also means further layers of vulnerability and Mm. intimacy in your relationships as Mm. you keep growing and you keep facing some of the, like, both the darker and the more beautiful parts of yourself and of your, the people that you are in relationship to. So, gosh, um, I, I think at first, in some of the beginning stages, when you're first learning your type, often you feel really exposed and you feel kind of down on yourself. Um, yeah. It depends, you know, it depends on where you're at in life and kind of what work God has already been doing in your life. But Sometimes it can be a really difficult pill to swallow, and you will you you make you might start to kind of notice some major ways that you're hurting the people around you, and I th- I think often that beginning part is it's like a sobering up stage, mm. you know? It's like, oh, ouch! I've been hurting you, and I've been hurting you, and in turn I've been hurting myself because mm. I'm limiting how much we can be close to one another. Right. So mm. there's some real pain I think at first. And then, you know, it keeps going. So right. I could talk for 15 minutes about this, but I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love hearing no, that's about so interesting. It, yeah. And I'm curious, so for, if, 
in the Myers-Briggs sort of universe, there are certain types that are just like not recommended to be together. Like um, they don't really predict a successful romantic relationship for like a sensor with an intuitive, for example. So in the Enneagram... Yeah, that's me and my husband, by the way. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we have a great relationship. Oh, that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in the Enneagram, are there any types that are like not recommended to be compatible or basically can you have compatibility with anyone as long as you sort of know the pitfalls? So in true four fashion, I would say yes and no. Uh, (laughs) Basically, the biggest thing for everyone to understand is that truly like any type when they are healthy, when they're healthy and growing and trying to do their own work and understand their life story and live into the truer story of their life, like they can be in healthy relationship with almost anyone. Right. Um, so in, in a sense, any type, any two types combinations could be together. I will say, however, there are some types that will have much more conflictual relationships. And the, the main one that probably might be, more work than it's worth would be two fours together. We're kind <laughs> of terrible to each other. Oh, <laughs> no. You know, usually two fours, two fours are going to be like, you can't, we can't have two people this special in one room. Like, I'm the most special, not you. And we get, we can get a little too competitive um, with that uniqueness. And yeah. we're so emotionally intense that that can just be really, really hard. Um, but, I will say, to flip your question around, um, I've found in my work in counseling and um, consulting that there are a lot of common relationship combinations. Mm. So, like, my husband and I are a nine and a four, and I interact with people both in my practice and then, like, all over social media. There are tons of nine four couples. Um, And then there are also lots of nine ones. Um, mm-hmm. twos and fives end up together a lot of the time. Uh, twos and eights are super common as well, and that can be super intense. Um, so there's a ton of relationship combos that you'll see frequently happen. Do we have enough time for you to just like summarize each number in like a sentence? <laughs> Pop um, quiz. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys think that? I don't know. I can really give you one, but. Yeah, I mean, sure. But just for people who, yeah. like, maybe have no idea what we're talking about, this might sound really yeah. weird. Yes, because we're, like, throwing out yeah. numbers like a 2 and a <laughs> yeah. 9 and a 4 and a 6. Yeah, like, and we can end up this yeah. later I mean, to make this the first thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, because I, I totally hate when it sounds like, you know, some special club that you have to know a bunch of info to be part of. So, right. Um, yeah, so... So the Enneagram, we have types one through nine. And I think important to know from the very beginning is that even though there are nine types to like summarize all of humanity, within those types, there's infinite diversity. Um, Mm. I've heard it described by a lot of different people. It's like the color blue is maybe the type, uh, let's say six. And six, there are infinite shades of blue. So there are infinite shades of being a six. So I I guess I want people to know from the very beginning, like, though there are only nine types, there is infinite variety within those types. There, you can go way deeper than just knowing your type. There's subtypes, there's your arrows, wings, 
Mm-hmm. So many different things. Mm-hmm. So we can't get into that level of depth today. This would be best for everyone. But sure. just know that, that there is infinite variety within the nine types. So not everything's going to fit right. every single person. Um, That's relieving. But, you know, don't think that you are, don't think that you are outside of those nine types. Like, there is actually so much complexity within types one through nine that it does cover all of us. Yes. Train again. I live next to the train track. Sorry. <laughs> no um, so, so basically, uh, you need to know, kind of be willing to like see where does your story fit within these nine narratives, and one narrative is going to fit more than others, and you are the same type for your entire life. You become more healthy, hopefully, as you grow and you get older, and you you know engage in relationships, but you don't change types you're the same and you are born that way and uh, your nurturing environment is what shapes how healthy or unhealthy you are Ah. that's pretty much accepted in enneagram theory by most people so so yeah type one you can start there um type one's called the reformer or sometimes the perfectionist Mm -hmm. um type ones are really concerned with being good uh and just a funny side note as a therapist I can generally tell who the type mm-hmm. one is when I meet them mm. because they carry a lot of stress and tension in their body mm. they're, they're a little bit more rigid um, but they're wonderful people they are they're like they're reliable and they do such good work um so that's the type one mm-hmm. uh type two is the helper uh helpers generally are going to feel really warm often super hospitable. They, their core need is to be needed by others and they deal with a lot of pride. To go back a little bit, ones also, they deal with impatience and anger. Mm. That's their issue. I could go into so much depth and it's hard for me to be succinct yeah, before, but yeah. type three is called the achiever, sometimes the performer. Threes are people that are extremely effective and they also generally are really charismatic personalities but they deal with what's called deceit which doesn't mean that they're liars it just means they have a really hard time being honest about how they're really doing versus projecting an image of success to the world because they really really want to be seen as successful mm-hmm. type fours that's my type we are the romantics or the individualists we are generally the people that don't want to be typed <laughs> we have to figure it out for ourselves mm-hmm. and we are very emotionally intense, generally. We tend to get stuck in spots of melancholy, but we have a very rich inner life that goes up and down. And so we deal with envy as our vice, kind of seeing the world as though there's always something missing and everybody has that thing that we wish we had. Mm. And we have to come to a place of equanimity, which is basically emotional balance. We need to learn that we can be secure and we don't have to kind of ride the roller coaster and be controlled by the roller coaster. We can be rooted in Christ. Mm-hmm. Get a longer answer for that one, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> type five is the investigator or the observer. Type five probably has the most limited energy socially of all the types. So some people focus on them having a strong need for competence and that's part of it. But a big part of it for five is that they are always protecting their energy because they often feel like they're being intruded on and all of their energy is being taken. So fives are very private and 
they have to learn how to give their energy a little bit more generously instead of being stingy with it. Sixes is the loyalist. They say if you have a, a friend who's a six, unless you do something pretty terrible to them, you're going to be friends for life. Sixes, they, they think, are the most common number on the whole Enneagram, at least in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And mm. that six is the reason why the world has not ended yet. Oh, <laughs> sixes are really good. Yeah, right. It's pretty awesome. Sixes are really good at understanding what could go wrong. They deal with a lot of fear and anxiety, but they also can help society be okay and help us all take care of one another because they know what pits we could all fall into. Mm-hmm. So sixes are pretty incredible people. Um, yeah, but they, they have to learn how to have courage. Have courage in what way? So instead of being ruled by fear, to trust that they are going to be protected by God, mm, and ah, therefore cool. they can do yeah. anything. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's great. Because yeah. I heard, yeah. I heard the sixes. There's also, you know, military and and police officers. Like they tend to any service um, positions. A lot of sixes go into that. And then I, I heard that as well. Like most of the world, well, yeah. maybe the U S is, sixes is are, sixes. Sixes yeah. Are like the best citizens, you know, they, they care <laughs> about the common good right. probably more than any other type. Hmm. Yeah. No. Well, that gives me some faith in society. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so seven, um, are the enthusiasts mm-hmm. and they are, very fun, um, often the life of the party, but that is a little bit of a caricature. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they also deal with fear, but really they're at their core, and, and at first when they start typing themselves, they might not identify with this, but it's kind of a little further under the surface. They're trying to avoid pain and suffering, mm-hmm. and they do that by filling their time and their energy with the next exciting adventure thing and feeling. Okay. I feel like that is, so, like, all of L.A. Yeah. And a lot of addicts yeah. are seven. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. A lot of people on the comedy yes, scene. Totally. I would see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, man, when a, seven, when a seven embraces their pain, wow, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Really, really beautiful. But it can be so hard. So yeah. sevens, are, sevens are really beautiful people, and they keep us, they keep us smiling and keep us adventurous. Mm. Um, eight. The challenger, my dad is Nate, um, <laughs> and eights are probably the most aggressive of all the types. Um, their their chief sin, their vice is lust, um, which isn't necessarily I'm lusting after your body. <laughs> it's lusting after more. Like I need more power. I need more mm. excitement, energy. They're extremely energetic, and they have so much capacity to get things done and to lead people. And it's it's quite amazing. Um, but it can also be quite painful for the people around them if they don't kind of learn to embrace their more tender side. Mm. So uh, eights, when they're healthy, they look like twos, like really healthy twos. They become tender, compassionate. They stick up for the underdog. Mm. And then nines are called the peacemaker. We say, like to say my husband and I, that nines are the relational glue Mm-hmm. of communities nines help people understand each other mm-hmm. they they understand different perspectives more than anyone else so they're they're like natural contemplatives um but when they're not healthy they tend to fall asleep to what they want and who they are and they can kind of take on 
the personality or preferences of the people around them mm. and be a little too docile. Mm. So nines have to wake up. Um, and they also deal with a lot of anger under the surface too. So yeah. That's the nine types. It's really, really cool. Yeah, Thank hu- you. My husband is a nine. Oh, and, that makes sense. And he was he just went into like a uh I'm exaggerating this, but after he read he went through the book after I did, he just kind of fell into a stupor of like, oh man. <laughs> like dealing with yeah. all the, the baggage of a nine. And he was relieved to to hear it you know, laid out for him. And so he understood himself better, which is of course the point. But then, you know, after he got over that, he's like, okay, now I know where I'm weak. And which is also the point, like, you know, where you need to work. Yeah. And uh, back to what you were saying earlier, Mash with the um, Myers-Briggs, when they say that this type and this type don't go together Mm -hmm. or not, I'm really grateful for the Enneagram saying that any type can really go together. And I feel like even for Myers-Briggs, like if you know your types, Right. Then yeah, you could you just, know your blind spots. Yeah, you could fill in those gaps for yeah. each other and, and with yeah. your partners or your friends or your your coworkers. I think it's just it is so helpful to right. just realize like oh you're angry, but you're angry because it's in, this thing is in, unjust and you know you want to fight for that or whatever the anger is. Right. It's like always rooted from some somewhere else, right? Yeah, right. And I would jump in with the with, I would say a big difference too between my big some others like that um and the Enneagram is honestly I, I think Myers-Briggs can be super helpful for understanding some of the dynamics mm-hmm. but I don't think it really slams you to the wall and tells you you need to change and mm. that is that is one thing that's so beautiful about the Enneagram while also so painful is that it says hey like you you aren't just perfect how you are actually there's good in you but you need you need to change and you need you need to kind of draw from the the styles of the other nine types and you need to be better about how you relate to other people you need to repent and you need jesus Mm. um although not everyone is a christian who uses the enneagram and that's totally fine but i think ultimately it draws us into a process of transformation and repentance that i haven't been able to find with any other personality types Mm. yeah that's that's a really interesting point i think the potential is there with the myers-briggs if you want it to be but for sure yeah it doesn't you you have to want that self-improvement you have to want that with the enneagram too but i think it's a little bit uh closer up from surface than Mm -hmm. it is with Myers-Briggs when you start to engage it. Yeah. So I think it's a real benefit. So. Yeah, I think with uh, the Enneagram too, whereas Myers-Briggs is so focused on like f- figuring yourself out, and of course Enneagram is as well, but I feel like whenever I've had at least discussions with Enneagram or like books or whatever, it, it does really emphasize like the community aspect. And I know Katie, Joe, you, yeah. you've talked about that in, in your latest article, even about engaging through community and story and just like learning from each other's stories and, and just seeing the shape that we can as a community take on as we uh, discover what our personality types are, discover our, our, our strengths and our weaknesses and how we, that can get infused um, and helped by others and how we can help others. 
Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, like when we do engage in story? Because, of course, one of the things that we love about doing this podcast is us sharing stories from all over and, mm-hmm. and how people do feel like they're not alone because there is inevitably somebody out there going through the same thing. And, and like with the Enneagram, it's kind of like that. Oh, you too. Me too. Like, that's how like we can relate, yes. you know? Yeah. So really, I think at its heart, the Enneagram and spiritual formation in general are about helping us understand and see ourselves from within the greater story of scripture to really see like how our individual little stories are actually part of this grand narrative that God is making all things new, including Mm -hmm. you and me. And so we each have very, very specific, um, unique, beautiful parts of that story to live out and to learn. And when we first, we, we have to come at that first from our own personal story. So to, to see like, wow, this is what God has been doing for me, for, for me to see through the Enneagram. Wow. I was spending all this unconscious energy. I didn't realize it, but I was trying so hard to be seen as special. <laughs> and different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that meant that I wasn't getting to put energy towards just loving others extending empathy I was living out of insecurity uh, to learn that to see it but to know that the story of my life before I even knew I was before has been that God has been calling me out of that and into like security and stability in him knowing that he will never reject me he will Mm. never leave me Mm. he'll never forsake me and that he sees me for who i am even if no one else does that's Mm. been the story of my life so the enneagram reflected back to me the story god's already been writing and then it does that for each of us it can and when we start to embrace that story that we are being made new in him in very specific ways then we can start to see that story for others and you can see wow god is making all things new in you like this and it's amazing we we start to see each other instead of from a place of frustration and just discontent with the world as it is we start to see each other through eyes of hope and expectation uh we start to to treat each other as though kind of like jesus when um he called Peter the rock on which he would build the church. He called him that before Peter denied him three times. Mm-hmm. Jesus saw who Peter would be, and and he called him the rock. Uh, we can do that with each other. You know, the Enneagram helps us see who we were created to be, and then we get to live in relationship, pulling one another towards that, to live in the better story. That's beautiful. Mm, that's, that's really beautiful. Kind of yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I had, I guess, a similar experience when I was typed as a four. I actually, um, it was it was funny because throughout my life, I've always felt very different, and that always caused me a lot of anguish. But then when I read the description of the four and how we really like that, I was like, oh, am I like kind of addicted to the drama? <laughs> of setting myself apart yes. and being unique. <laughs> and then that I found that so liberating to figure out like, yes. oh, you know, I can just be 
myself and I don't really need to worry a whole lot about what others think, but I can work on my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't need to be either a source of anguish or a a source of pride. (laughs) You know, it can just be me existing. That is my story too. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so liberating. It's almost, it's an odd thing because I like to say that the Enneagram should expose us. And, and I did experience that as a four, but it was like this sweet exposure, you know, Mm. like, wow, I don't have to do that anymore. And I was doing it. That's the exposing part. I was doing it and I didn't realize it. Right. But now I don't have to and I still am special. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, it's awesome. I was just, uh, when I was reading this latest article that you you wrote, um, there was this line that really I really loved it. You said injuries sometimes need careful stitches and scar tissue often forms in the absence of the care we need. And I feel like for every single human being ever um, that has been so hurt by others and has lacked somehow somewhere in their story, because of course our parents are imperfect and our friends are imperfect. You know, we, we often try to just brush off, the scars or, or overly dramatize it sometimes, but I feel like something like the Enneagram and resources like that, where we are really being pointed, well, of course the Bible, you know, like being pointed towards who we really are in Christ and, and feeling the, that wholeness and being put back together, even when we ourselves can't do that ourselves and we are imperfect and, and just leaning into the strength that God is and the power that God has, uh, even in our insufficiency, like Paul talks about, I think that's a really powerful thing that the Enneagram, um, does, um, again, you know, the Enneagram is not unique necessarily in doing that as far as, you know, trying to figure out what personalities are. And certainly the word of God teaches us that, you know, we are first and foremost, his children, etc. But I think in a way that the Enneagram is so articulate in in typing us, and I love that you said that there are different shades, even the the analogy of color, I think was actually really great. You know, like I'm a, I'm a two, and then maybe somebody else is a two. And I find that we're not super similar. But like, there are so many different shades of what that could mean. And I love this concept too, of the, the wings, because I find Mm -hmm. myself teetering a lot on the one, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like when I, like as a stressor, you know, um, when I know that a lot of this, for those that are not into Enneagrams, there are things called the wings. And I think we have a little bit of time if you want to kind of briefly explain what that means, because I think it could yeah. be helpful for people that are like, but really, I feel like I'm these, these two. I feel are, like I'm a combination yeah, of four which, of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All four. Yeah. Mm. There's so much, there's so much right there. Um, yeah. The wings are the two two numbers to either side of your type so i'm a four fourth can have either a three wing or a five wing theory is that you you really can have you can have aspects of both in you so i do have like some three-ish stuff but i'm mostly a five wing and really one of my trainers the way he put it i think is best it's kind of like the creamer in your coffee like your type is the coffee but your wing is the creamer and it's kind of what flavors your particular way of being in the world. 
Um, so I'm a five is four. Like I, I withdraw a lot and I'm a major nerd and I have a lot of social energy. So that's, that's me. But your wing um, theory, theory is that you basically uh, draw from one wing for the first half of your life predominantly. And then the second half of your life, as you grow, if you needed to grow and healing, you'll probably develop out that other wing. And and like wings on a bird, you both full, you know. So so if you can if you can draw from both, you can access the good things from both of those numbers either side of your number. Uh, you can fly. You can you can be healthier. You can do more of what God intended for your type. Mm-hmm. So you generally have a predominant wing. Uh, maybe yours is a one wing. Um, but, you know, in the second half of life or even right now, you can kind of start to play around with the three stuff. See mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. positive things from the three that you can pull from or maybe pay attention. You might notice that you have more good three qualities than you realize mm-hmm. um, and that you can push into that like achieving space a little bit more. So that's kind of a summary of mm-hmm. wings. Um, just flavors you, and it's a way to kind of be more balanced. I love that. I love the way that the analogies you've just used. I like that coffee one because, one, I'm a huge coffee drinker. But, yes, the creamer of your coffee, that is pretty great. Awesome. I did not make that up, but that was good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, I know we, we talked about a little bit of the whole, you know, relationships with other others, and you were talking about um, types that you see often. Maybe just in the next few minutes, can you just give us kind of like a top couple, top three, or whatever of scenarios that you've seen and how this works or maybe doesn't work as far as Enneagrams working together, you know, like different numbers working together? Or, yeah. Yeah, just... Obviously, we don't have time to go with every iteration, but since you have done a, right, some right. work in this, like, can you give us, you know, maybe a couple of really great examples and then maybe some that are like, okay, you guys. You have stuff to work you on. You have stuff yeah. to work on because <laughs> you're a three and you're a four and you guys are just, you know, you have to realize this about your whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so to start with, for, since we can't cover all the combinations, um, a really good resource for those listening is the Enneagram Institute.org. Yes. I think it's .org or .com. They have a relationship combination tool. So you could be like, I'm a one in relationship to a seven. And it will tell you about your relationship. And it's kind of eerie how spot on it is for most people. Yes. Um, so take a look at that, uh, listeners. And then, yeah. So I already kind of mentioned the, the main ones that I see, but mm-hmm. I will get into them a little bit more. Uh, I guess we'll start with a two with an eight. So you, I see a lot of twos and eights, both as couples, um, but also as uh, coworkers, people that start businesses together, even churches. Uh, and <laughs> wow. twos and eights can be in a little bit of a codependent stance towards each other. Mm. Um, it can be a super beautiful relationship, but sometimes eight can be a bit of a tornado and twos really like to come and be helpful and pick up all the pieces in their wake. So mm. that's something I see a lot. That's, that's my own parents and I love them and they will not kill me for saying this about them, but it's true. It, that when they're not healthy, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. 
and they also share a stress and security point, which we obviously can't explain right now, but sometimes types are drawn together. Like I have a lot of friends that are twos. We share an arrow on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So, you know, twos are going to look like a healthy four when they're doing well. Um, And I'm going to look like an unhealthy two when I'm not doing well. Mm. We get each other in a weird way intuitively. And I think that happens a lot with different types that like there's something about another number that is intuitively gets who you are and you're drawn to or maybe it's intuitively who you kind of need to become more like so yeah that happens with two and eight and the two needs to be really careful to not be kind of subsumed into the eight energy yeah um yeah so let's see like i said fours and nines there are so um um and that can look like a it can be a really beautiful relationship, um, even friendship or marriage, but it can also be really painful. Nines don't like a whole lot of emotional activation, and fours are as emotionally activated as you can get. <laughs> right, right. Um, Other side right. of the spectrum, yeah. So, so I, I wrote about this a bit in my last article, but mm-hmm. it was so helpful for my husband and I to learn about our types because things about each other that we were frustrated about for our whole marriage, married eight years. Um, his kind of like more passive and really hard, he's very harmonious in his relationships as a nine. And then my like emotional roller coaster of existence, we drove each other crazy. We loved each other and we are so attracted to those things in each other, but it was also infuriating. Right. And when we learned about it, we no longer felt so frustrated and so much like you just need to be like me right you need to be more emotional and right I need to be more peaceful <laughs> it was like, right yes we do need to change but but we can actually respect where the other person's coming from and and we both can respect the wounds that kind of created some of our unhealthy dynamics too yeah empathy so goes a long way for sure fours and, eight, fours and nine together mm. um I was actually just going to throw mine out with my husband's. Well, you yeah. already know them. I don't know if you are able to just kind of quickly speak on that since I just have you on the phone anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, two and a nine. Yeah, twos and nines, that can be super interesting. Sometimes twos and nines are mistyped for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily what I mean that by that isn't necessarily that you're not supposed to be in a relationship to each other but sometimes twos will think they're a nine or nines will think they're two mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. they're going through the typing process because they share a lot in common in terms of being really warm um kind-hearted people and so there can be a real alliance between a nine and a two in terms of being uh people who care about others and are very welcoming um nines and twos the difference a big difference is in their kind of stance towards the world. So a nine is in the withdrawing stance, mm. withdrawing triad, and uh, two is in the compliant. And so a nine's going to want to retreat a bit more from intensity and stress and especially conflict. And a two is going to kind of go along with what the people around them need. Yeah. Uh, so that can be potentially frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely felt that, and it's it has been helpful for both of us to go through road back to you and just realizing that about each other. And then when you mentioned the uh, the Enneagram Institute page, 
that is, you, you, you were spot on on saying how eerie it is because I, you know, just having fun, I would be like, okay, me and this person. And then like, I would type out my, my exes, you know, like, oh, that's why, that's why we didn't work out or, you know, me and my best friends yeah. and just like, just kind of having fun of like, oh my gosh, this is weirdly, weirdly uh, specific about how our relationships actually worked out. And so, um, and I, I love that the Enneagram also has levels of health because, you know, you, you, you say things like a healthy two and a healthy eight, you know, they can work really well together, but you know, an unhealthy two looks like this or an unhealthy eight looks like this. And then you put those together and it just, just doesn't work out. So I think that's important for people to realize also that, yeah, you may know your type, but you also have to realize where you are on a health level of, of that type, you know? Yeah, and, and that's on any given day. And for, for a four, that's any given moment. You're right, you're right. That's <laughs> a good point. We, we, you know, we all, we all move between that continuum of unhealthy to healthy, um, but hopefully we move towards health more often than not. And hopefully our, our range of health to unhealth becomes a little bit smaller towards the healthy end of the continuum right. over time, too. Well, in your work with the Enneagram or just generally in, in speaking with people and um, doing this work with couples and whatnot, uh, what has been the best, at, like what has been the most fun for you or the most fulfilling thing for you with regards to working with uh, resources like the Enneagram? Two things. Uh, first is anytime that I get to use the Enneagram with couples, often I'll go uh, in my therapy practice, I'll have couples come in who really it's like their last ditch effort before getting separated or maybe even getting divorced. And, and they're in a really, really dark place. Mm. Um, Sometimes I will have them take an assessment, not necessarily that I'm going to be brief right away, but to kind of help me start to be thinking about their type dynamics and to kind of listen well to their narrative and kind of uncover some things that I might not have heard as quickly. So if they're in a like really unstable place, I'm not necessarily going to explain the whole Enneagram to them sure. until maybe like four months later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, What's so cool is that as I, over time, I hear their stories, and I hear their stories of pain, and I see them so far from one another, I can, I can also start to help them hear each other's stories better and start to see why they are so wounded and, and you know, learning about their type. Even if I don't end up telling them, you are a five, and your spouse is um, a nine, whatever, mm-hmm. or a, a three, whatever. If I don't say that to them, but I kind of start to bring up some of those dynamics and some of the things that someone of that type would deal with, yeah. they start to gain so much empathy for each other. And the most rewarding thing in my whole work, at least therapeutically, is that I see couples stay married. I see couples it's go wonderful. from hating each other and feeling hopeless in life to like celebrating their anniversary for the first time in five years. Like Aww. it's the coolest thing in the world. So, and it's, and it's not because of, it's not because of me and my expertise necessarily. It's because they show up for each other and they, and they start to learn how to listen again. Right. So that's I think the Enneagram helps us listen again. I really, really love that. Cause I, in the end that, that's how we can make the world a better place, right? Just, just having more empathy, having more understanding and realizing 
where you're coming from, why do you have that baggage? And I, I think you're right, that, that is what is missing from relationships that are falling apart. I feel like both sides have blocked themselves from really trying to understand the other person. Mm-hmm. And that can be such a dangerous place. So that's totally. awesome. So if you are, say like you know your type, how do you start on the journey of transformation? Like where do you start? Yeah, uh, if you know your type already, then I think you start to pay attention to the way that that type narrative shows up in your daily life. And you also start to think about your life story. So a couple things. Um, I think practicing mindfulness is huge for continuing to grow. And really for Christians, you can do that through things like breath prayer, um, Chris Hewitt's Sacred Enneagram, the whole second half of his book is about contemplative practices for the different types and triads and of, of um, silence, solitude, and what am I saying? Silence, solitude, and uh, I don't know. My brain's so much <laughs> But anyway, no it's so good. Um, <laughs> and stillness, that's the other one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so practicing those things that are unique to your type can really help you pay better attention. So I have to pay close attention to when envy comes up in me or mm-hmm. when um, I'm not emotionally balanced or I'm, I'm judging others. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband has to pay really close attention to his anger and he has to really mm-hmm. be um, still in order to, as a nine, hear that part of himself. Um, and I need to have a lot of time of solitude. So practicing doing contemplative practices spiritual discipline is really in my opinion the the one necessary path forward for growth and then next to that like i said engaging your story um there are tons of great resources actually one i just came across this week with the allender center um they have a resource called engaging your story Mm. and it's basically like six three months of therapy in my opinion uh just help walk you through like trying to remember parts of your life and be prayerful about them and asking God to kind of show you and heal from pieces that are more painful and traumatic um it's excellent so looking back and then being able to engage your present will help you move forward Mm. with your type that's really great thank you so much yeah um so as we're close right now um Katie Jo, how do our listeners find you, your work, et cetera? Are you online? Are you on Facebook? Are you on social media? Yeah. All the things. All the things. Um, So my website is katiejoelinger.com. Joe is J-O, but I'm sure that'll be in, like, show notes or something. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely put it in the show notes. Yes, I am on on Instagram pretty much every single day sharing kind of musing about my day and things I'm learning. Cool. So that's also just my name spelled out, Katie Jo Ramsey. I'm then Twitter, but I kind of hate Twitter. So I'm there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I <too>. understand. <laughs> yeah, but all my articles and everything are on my website. So all the Enneagram stuff, et cetera, is there. That's perfect. And you are practicing out of Montana, so I doubt you can take anybody that's outside of your state. Um, we've run out into that with other therapists that we've kind of interviewed across the lines, yeah, I, right? 
I can take, uh, however, Enneagram consultation. So oh, okay. that is kind of separate from my therapeutic work in my mind. So yes, I can do that. Awesome. Not a therapy client, so. <laughs> so that's, you, they could find those resources uh, for your therapy practice on your website as well? Yep, I've got a page on my website about Enneagram consultation. Okay, so it'll be, okay, perfect. So if you're in Montana and you're looking for a great therapist, uh, check out Katie Joe Ramsey. Or if you're not in Montana and you just want a consultant for the Enneagram typing or couples therapy with the Enneagram or whatnot, yes, katiejoramsey.com. We'll have it in our show notes. Um, thank you so much, Katie Jo. This was really fun. And, I, you know, I'm like you. I could talk for hours about this. And so, yeah, Mary totally. Ashley, we love talking about personality <laughs> stuff. Um, one quick thing I did want to point out, because you, you said it, and I wanted to make sure that people knew that. You, you said that when you worked with couples, you're not quick to, to say to them, oh, you are a two, you are a five. Um, I think Ian McCron on, in, in his... Um, in his book, he also was like, don't go around typing people because they're not going to like you very much for it, <laughs> yeah. right? That's so terrible. Don't do that. It's not socially acceptable. Don't do that. I had to actually stop myself from doing that because I'd be like, I think you're yeah. this. No, and- you, can, you can be thinking about types. <laughs> Think about people's types. But don't, you don't type other people. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's so rude. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to point that out because I think it is very important. And now that Enneagram yeah. and stuff like that is out, like, you know, people don't want you running around telling, you know, telling you, telling yeah. them what you think of them. And it's also, it's like, it can be a bonding experience. Like, actually, one of my, <laughs> so one of my favorite activities is like, um, figuring out someone's Myers-Briggs profile, but um, yeah. <laughs> I it, it actually can be a bonding thing because it actually, it, I don't just go around being like, oh, I bet he's an yeah. ESFP, or I do it internally, but then like with people, I'm like, I actually ask them questions yeah. um, in order to figure yeah. it out, and it can be like a much, it, like people like to feel like someone wants to know about them, you know, and yeah. so it can actually yeah. be a bonding thing. Yeah, but empowered, exactly. knowing like yeah. I figured this out. Right, exactly. Like you're probably yeah, the one exactly. pushing and, the And pieces. then when I have, like, sort of an idea, I'm like, oh, like, does this resonate with you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I feel like you might that be... That is what I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. it's good to do yeah. that. That's basically how I live every day of my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie Jo, thank you so much. This was such a fun hour just yeah. talking to you, talking about the Enneagram, talking about personalities and relationships. It's, yeah. It's been cool. So, uh great so well fun. have a great day and um yeah hopefully we'll hear from your about your book very soon yeah sounds good thank you guys so much thank Appreciate you it. thank you for listening to our podcast this has been another episode of fishers of men if you have any questions comments or feedback please email us at fishers of men podcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishers of men podcast.com we are also on facebook under fishers of men Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Larson Mary Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. And until next time, keep swimming.